Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode from Sacco to Shiva. I'm Chase. And I'm Tom. And as always, we're going to recap a little bit of week four from this previous week. We're going to talk about some uh, takeaways that we have through the first four weeks of the season, which is going to be the first quarter of the season. Already. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, a quarter of the way through the season already. I mean, time's flying by. We're going to talk about some studs and duds from week four and talk about waiver wires that you want to pick up before or for this uh, upcoming week. Mm-hmm. Tom, uh, let's talk about some of the injuries that happened. We had some major ones, uh, a lot of concussions. Yeah, concussions seem to be the injury of the week. Uh, Trubisky hurt his shoulder, missed the game. Uh, what's Doubtful for next week. Next week. Uh, Chase Daniels came in and actually played pretty well. Uh, Hawkinson, the tight end for Detroit, came in, tried to make a, a jump move and got spun around and hit his head and not, uh, knocked himself out, I believe. So he's in concussion protocol. Uh, let's see. Devontae Adams hurt his toe. He's out this week. It's a uh, turf toe. So yep. it could be longer than just one week, but I mean, we'll play it by ear. Another concussion was Josh Allen, uh, versus New England. Took a big hit and that was a dirty hit. He was being held. There was nothing he could do about it. And the guy just came head on at him. Yeah. It was, it's a tough one between, between that one and the perfect hit. I don't know which one was worse. Honestly, it looked like the Patriots guy, in my opinion, like, I get perfect as the dirtiest player that may have ever played the game, mm-hmm. uh, and he got suspended for the rest of the season. But it blew me away that I think his last name is Jackson for uh, uh, New England that uh, had that dirty hit on Josh Allen. He didn't even get suspended, and I think that hit was just as dirty, if not yeah, more so. I, I think it was more dirty, honestly. But just just for the fact that, I mean, uh, Josh Allen was, was wrapped held. up, yeah. and he was being tackled. There was nothing he could do. His arms were wrapped up. And then here comes this guy, initiates contact with his helmet. Yep, cracks him pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen, Trubisky, uh, Marlon Mack hurt his ankle. He's doubtful for uh, next week as well, so Naheem Hines might be somebody to watch. Yep. Uh, Damian Williams with Kansas City Chiefs still nursing an injury with his ankle or his foot. And this is something we were concerned about before the season started is his injuries. He's never been able to play a full season. Do you have him on any of your teams? Um, no, actually I don't. I, the, the one league I still had him in, I had him in two at the start of the, before this season started and I moved him in both. I have him in one and uh, I'll probably be trying to move away from him, but I got him as a free agent pickup last year. So it wasn't, do you drop special. him at this point? No, but we should do a drop episode, like people that you want to get rid of yeah. uh, you're, right now in Kansas city. We've got like four backs that all could do the job well. Which is crazy, and I think it shows more of what Andy Reid's system does for the running back situation than the actual running backs there. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think that's John Ross. John, John Ross. Ross is hurt with a shoulder injury; he yeah. will be out. Um, Cam Newton with a foot still nursing that. AJ Green is doubtful. They're saying maybe week seven, and if that's the case, they should have just considered putting him on the IR. IR but yeah. I, we don't know how how that's actually been progressing. There's not been a lot of updates on it. That's all I have. All right. So uh, let's get into the, your biggest takeaways through four, uh, through four weeks, the first quarter of the season. Go on ahead and kick it off. What's your biggest takeaway so far? So to, right before we get there, I, we just have to mention Frank Gore and Larry Fitzgerald, what they did this weekend. So if you don't know, Frank Gore rushed for 15,000 15,000 yards. Fourth on the all-time list. Fourth all-time behind Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders, and Walter Payton. I know. That's that's elite company. Unreal. And you know what blows me away about about this is Frank Gore is on a team that you wouldn't think would be good. You wouldn't think he would have this production. You would look at his age. What's he, 34 years old? You wouldn't think he would still be productive. And somehow he's rushing for 100 yards. I mean, 109 yards against the New England defense. Like, that that's impressive man that was like, impressive he was bouncing off people running through people and i think it was downfield like 19 carries i think it was 19 i don't i don't have that stat yeah, but i don't yeah, have it was it pretty good down, but. and then larry fitzgerald became the second all-time leading receiver in nfl history behind jerry rice jerry rice the, he's behind jerry rice by and that's on yards or no receptions reception. just receptions uh by about 200 behind yeah. rice yeah close I don't, I don't know if he's gonna catch up to rice. i don't think so either but we got to mention Gore and Fisher. They're great players. You, you know what's times. crazy about Rice is he did it when they weren't wearing gloves. You know, yeah. They uh, there was one of the uh, defense like defensive uh, veterans that were like I mean old old time guy 
who was just in there talking about, he's like, these wide receivers nowadays can catch anything because of these gloves. And he wasn't like, he was like, obviously it takes skill and all this. But he was like, I remember playing against Jerry Rice and it didn't matter what was on that ball. His, I mean, it could be cold out. It could be raining out, whatever it was, snow. And he would be able to catch him with no gloves. And he's like, back then, he's like, it just slid off your hands. I, I'll have to find that uh, he's great. interview. He's but an was, all-time great player. Yeah. So now getting into our you know, first four weeks are what we're takeaways are. Now I did a lot of different research and all these kinds of crazy things. But the thing that I want to mention is the Minnesota Vikings passing game. Oh, it's awful. It's horrible. And I don't, it's, it's, it's not, to no fault to the receivers. That's what I'm saying. It's not the receivers. It's not even cousins. It's, it's the coaching staff. Uh, I will disagree with that. Um, There's a, okay. It coaching staff. I don't care if it's the play calling. There was times that he had digs completely wide open this past week and previous weeks, and he just didn't even look at him. And the one time he did, where like Diggs was going on a uh, hitch route, going towards the uh, sideline, and Dig or Cousins threw it like twelve feet out of bounds to where it was uncatchable by anybody. But Diggs was open and could have made a play. Well, every quarterback is gonna miss. You know, wide open plays. It's going to happen. It, he, everybody. Okay, but if you look at how he's been performing this year, it's it's ridiculous. Okay, so we go to the first game. They only played. They only completed. He only had ten attempts. Yeah. Completed eight of them. That's nothing special. The next game, he actually throws two touchdowns. The game after that, he struggles a little bit, but they still win. And then this last okay. game, I I think it was week two, maybe or maybe it was week three, but I think it was week two that Kirk Cousins had the lowest graded. Yeah, it was two pro football fat, uh, focus grade ever by any Minnesota quarterback. It was two. Even lower than Christian Ponder. We've talked about this before. Yeah, I'm just saying that. like it's it's ridiculous. Okay, Kirk Cousins is part of the problem. Right, but he's not he's, the whole problem. It's also the coaching philosophy and the change and it all started last year when Zimmer got tired of throwing the ball so much and he brought in the uh what the hell is his name? Gary Kubiak. No, it wasn't Kubiak. It's uh give me one second. I wrote it down somewhere. He brought in Stefanski to be the offensive coordinator, and they focused on the run. And you could tell that by this crazy stat that I looked up. Minnesota is actually the second as far as the run-pass differential in the NFL. They run the ball 54.6% of the time. If you go back to last year when we had or when they had uh, DeFlippo in there, they only ran the ball, let's see, 37% of the time. So it's almost a twenty percent change in in a year, but even at that, like that doesn't take away from how bad he is at throwing the ball right now. So I'm going to take this another step. There, there, there was also two really deep deep throws: one to Diggs and one, uh, and I think in week three, and one to Thielen in week four. That these were like essentially drives that could get the offense going again, or when the game was still within reach, and just completely overthrew them, and they had their guy beat. Like they they jumped out and gave everything they had for it and hit the deck just trying to catch this ball because it was so overthrown. It's hard to complete a pass more than twenty yards downfield. Now to expand upon this situation that I have going on, I will say that the Flippo is still a coach in the NFL. He's still an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Do you know what team he is on? Oh, I do. He's with the the Jacksonville Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars. So he's responsible for Gardner Minshew and the DJ Chark love going on right now. I mean. Yes, the the passing offense, I will agree with that. And that's something we talked about before the uh, whole thing. But Gardner Minshew has some swagger to him. He definitely And there was actually swagger. this uh, tweet that I uh, sent over to one of my buddies, CJ. And it was one of the most uh, fundamentally sound throws when the pocket collapses. And everybody was talking about how you – like the tweet was saying you can't teach this type of awareness. But Gardner Minshew was moving through the pocket. Uh, sliding, I mean, shuffling, going sliding, to the left, shuffling. coming back right. But the thing that I loved about that wasn't the sliding and shuffling. It was the fact that he kept both hands on the football the entire time. Yep, the moving. entire time. Like And then – like so the thing is, is when you're getting like hit on your shoulders a couple times like as you're going through there, how many quarterbacks, including Carson Wentz, that will hold the ball with one hand when they're doing that will fumble the ball? Yeah, it happens a lot. And, I mean, we're talking about, like, Big Ben did it. I mean, there's so many – I mean, you can go through some of these top-named uh, yeah. uh, quarterbacks, quarterbacks, and they they do it. Like, Andrew Luck did it. Andy Dalton does it. I mean, Kirk Cousins does it. I've seen Russell Wilson do it. I've seen almost all – every quarterback do it. But it was so 
fundamentally sound because like he didn't once take his hand off the ball until he was throwing it. Well, if you remember one of the stories is he wanted to be a coach. So part of being a coach is doing the things right that you got to do right. And that's definitely something that you could coach. So no, it, it was just, it was one of those things. The kid is fundamentally sound and he's right now fifth in the league. Gardner Minshew on a pass completed at 69.42. Yeah, it's pretty good. So if you take Thaline and Diggs stats, you add them together. You get 26 receptions. This is together combined. None. 388 yards and three touchdowns. That is almost the exact same as Tyler Lockett or Sammy Watkins. But this is two of them. And it, I think this is, if it continues like this, we're going to have, we're going to see Thaline, who was some, most likely people's number one wide receiver. He's going to drop down to be a wide receiver three. I bet. Same thing with Diggs. At best. Yeah. Right now, Thaline is the 39th rated wide receiver, and Diggs is the 54th rated wide receiver. Yeah. So, I don't if – I'm, if I'm the owner of these two guys and I see all these stats and nothing is going to change from here on out, I'm trying to load them, get rid of them. Well, see, I, the thing is, is you're going to get so low. You, I mean – You don't sell – You like, I would never sell low. I'd rather just hold on to it. And ride it out on the off chance because I know the talent's there for both of those wide receivers. So you, you wait for that big game and you offload them. Yeah, there. You, I mean, I'm I'm fine with that. But me as a digs owner in one league, I would honestly hold on to him unless I got something worthy. Like in my opinion, like if I got a worthy offer, I would think about it. But at this point, nothing, nothing's really there. Yeah, nothing. How about well, I mean. We have a baseline with these guys. We know they're great. We know that they could do. We, we know they're huge both top games. twelve wide receivers. Yeah, they can be, but at this point, they're not really there. So, would you take somebody like DJ Chark for Diggs? No. Um, how about trying to think of somebody else off the top of my head? Ah, Jesus, I can't think of anybody. Larry a, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian no, Kirk, no, Christian Kirk, Sterling Shepard, Larry Fitzgerald. They're both on it. That offense, Sterling Shepard, would be somebody I would consider. But even at that, I don't trust that Giants offense. Uh, I don't trust the Vikings offense, but I trust the talent of Diggs more than all of them. So it's one of those things that I still value him more than there. And I may be the outlier. I may be the one person that values him like that, but that's one of those things I know the talent. Like, again, if they start passing and they get into passing situations and he starts looking his way, and if you remember from the Chicago Bears game, the only reason they were actually moving the ball there near the end was because they were Diggs, getting the ball yeah. to Diggs. Yep, I agree. I, I thought it was going to be a Diggs game. I believe Diggs had over 100 yards this week, too. No. He didn't? No. I thought he did. Uh, Maybe like... I think it was 104, maybe. I could be wrong. Let's find out real quick. Yeah. All right, so my uh, my big takeaway is going to be the Bills' defense. Uh, their passing defense, you're not going to pass on them. They were they're, phenomenal. They're third versus QB, fifth versus wide receiver, and second versus tight end. They they are a lockdown, and they haven't played slouches. They've played some decent teams. And, oh, I mean, just this past week, they played New England, and they Brady had 150 yards passing and an interception. Yeah. When was the last time Tom Brady threw for just 150 yards in a complete game? And he didn't throw any touchdowns. And I don't think they didn't they didn't have a hundred yard rusher. I believe Sony went for 68. 72, somewhere in there. So, I mean, this is a really good Bills defense. This was actually the team that I thought would give New England the biggest run for the money inside the conference, inside the division. I apologize. You were correct. He was 7 of 7 for 108 yards. Yeah. Digs. So, I, th- I was pretty sure he had a good game, and I wasn't sure if it was – I knew it was over 100, but I wasn't 100 I got, positive. I got too cute in one of our leagues because I thought I was going to get completely blown out. So, I was like, okay, let's throw a Hail Mary out there. And because Diggs hadn't been doing anything, I was like, I'm just going to put Melvin Gordon in. He's playing the Miami Dolphins. They're putting him on the active roster. Maybe he's in there for three or four plays that he actually touches the ball and he just breaks away for a long touchdown, you know, and I get I get something out of him. I lost by two points. And if Bumpus. I would have started anybody else Bumpus. aside from Melvin Gordon, I would have been fine. But yeah, uh, wah, wah, it happens. Wah. So the Buffalo Bills defense has been amazing, and I liked everything that they've done in the offseason was to get this defense better. Yeah, and it looks phenomenal. They're really good. All right, my second takeaway actually is going to be somebody we've already talked about a few times, uh, DJ Chark. Mm -hmm. As long as Minshew is the starting QB, he's going to get the targets of a uh, top wide receiver. Right now, he's wide receiver 10 through four games. I'm not saying he's going to stay wide receiver 10, but 
uh, he's he's definitely getting the targets there right now. He also has three uh, and he has three touchdowns in four games, which is mm-hmm. great. And he's getting seventy percent of the snap count. Phenomenal. The only thing I'm worried about is if Gardner Minshew struggles when it's time for Nick Foles to come back. Nick Foles in that first game before he got hurt wasn't showing any love to DJ Chark. He was showing it to DD Westbrook. That's my concern with them is I need to know Gardner Minshew has the job secured and locked up. I think one of the other problems you're going to start running into is this offensive line is falling apart and not playing well at all. He was sacked five times. Minshew was sacked five times this week. And next week they're, they're facing the sack tied for the sack lead team in Carolina. Okay. So it's something to watch out there. Uh, my next, I guess my next thing would be, I was, I was trying to figure out different things, why teams are good, why teams are bad. And I came up with, uh, the run pass differential. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the teams that were the highest in percentage of passes versus the teams that were highest in the run. So from 2019, this year through four games, the, the number one team is the San Francisco 49ers. Now they missed last week because they were on a bye, but they ran the ball 57.3% of the time. Okay. Winning team, right? Yeah. Okay. Number two, Minnesota, we just mentioned them. They ran the ball 54.6% of the time. They're 500. 500. Next team is Baltimore. They ran the ball exactly 50% of the time, passed the ball 50% of the time. 500. Tennessee Titans ran the ball 48.5% of the time. 500. Dallas Cowboys, 48.2% of the time. Three and one, but they've only faced one team with a winning record. Yep. So now let's flip to the other side. The teams that had the most passing percentage of plays. Atlanta Falcons pass the ball 71.3% of the time. Okay. They're not that good. I think they're 500 also. Cincinnati, 70% of the time they pass the ball. Washington Redskins, 69.1% passing. Arizona Cardinals, 68.1% passing. And the Miami Dolphins, 66.3% passing, please. What do you notice about those teams? Oh, obviously none of them are contenders in my opinion. I agreed. And I think most of them are playing for the number one pick. Like Baltimore and Dallas are the, I mean, two teams that I would say are the outliers that would be, I mean, and San Francisco. Those three teams I would say would be the outliers on being playoff teams or better. Uh, well, and Tennessee, uh, Tennessee, Tennessee was a playoff actually, team last year too. Actually, I still like Tennessee. Uh I mean, so, Minnesota was a playoff team, but they're switching their philosophy, so that's why we see them up here. I, I don't see Minnesota being a playoff team. Now, I don't think this year just because they're they're going to adjust with that philosophy, but that, that was my takeaway. All right. My uh, last takeaway is going to be about Tampa Bay wide receivers. <laughs> Very so nice. So how do you view them? Because, one, they talked about the first three weeks, apparently, or first two weeks, that Mike Evans was dealing with a stomach issue, yeah. and that's why he wasn't getting a lot of targets. I was wondering if they kind of did the Megatron treatment. Even when he was hurt, he would go out there and play and just run routes, but he wouldn't ever get targeted because he was hurt. Yeah. But he was going out there as right. a decoy. decoy. You, like, make the team scheme against you, and maybe you get one reception for a touchdown, you know? Like, you might get, get yeah. that one big play if you're, oh, they're like, oh, they're not targeting him at all. So, I mean, if you can take away half the field with one player... Usually it's good. Right. So, I love Mike Evans. Mike Evans is one of my favorite players. Oh, I, I have him up on my wall. Yep. He's one of my favorite. Yep. Uh, uh, so how do you view those wide receivers there? Because I've already answered this question to one of my buddies, Ryan. But uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, how do you view them in fantasy right now? Well, I know the answer, what their stats say. But to me, Mike Evans is still the number one guy and Godwin's the number two. But these are two guys that are playing phenomenal in an offense that's going to throw the ball, and they're both great athletes, and they both are good wide receivers. You know, I actually wouldn't call them a one or a two. It's a 1A, 1B. And the thing is, is Mike Evans is still wide receiver 10 on the year. Chris Godwin's wide receiver, I want to say two on the year behind Keenan Allen. So I actually have PPR stats if you want to. Yeah, he should be two. So. This is PPR, year. yeah, for the for the year. This is average points per game. Keenan Allen is twenty four point four. Cooper Cup is twenty two point three. Godwin is at twenty two point two. Julio at nineteen point seven, and Mike Evans at nineteen point seven. Also, I will say one of those might have uh, been wrong because I do know that Chris Godwin's a wide receiver two on the year. Okay, well, I mean it's but, either but, two or yeah. three by. Uh, well, I mean by point one. Yeah, boy, point. Yeah, it's not but, a big deal. 
it, it's one of those things that it's so what we're seeing is these guys are morphing into what Adam Thaley and Stefan Diggs was last year. Yeah. Oh no, you were correct. Yeah, you were correct. Godwin is three. Uh, Cooper Cup is two. Uh, it's not by much. It's very it small. by a fraction of a point. But it's it's still crazy. So, but the thing is, is I don't think that it's going to be one of those things that oh, it's going to be all Godwin. He's the he's the clear cut one now. Mike Evans still had a good game last last week. I hundred percent agree. Yeah. Why and, not? I mean, both of them are getting touchdowns. Both of them are getting utilized. One's getting more targets because one's more of a PPR wide receiver. But you're talking about like they, in my opinion, right now they are the best wide receiver duo in the league. I, yeah. And I'm not gonna. I'm. You can put anybody else out there you want, and I can. I can give you stats and I can argue against it easily. So when it comes down to uh, Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin. I, I want either of these guys and I'm not I'm not moving on from them. Yeah, they have it. I was really worried about this LA Rams thing and I'll kind of get to it in my studs, but they they did great and I think we're starting to see the Bruce Arians effect. I agree. I think it was only a matter of time before we saw that and I think Winston's now getting comfortable with what Arians is asking him to do and Arians has always been a coach that accentuates his positives. Yeah. And if if Winston keeps going this way, given it's that be first a great season. Given that first week was three interceptions. Yeah, people scared. Man, that was whew, that was bad. All right. So let's go get to studs and duds. Yeah. Who do you have for uh, your first stud? Well, I just went in order. So my first guy, I mean, it's got to be Winston, right? Yep. I have Winston as my stud of the week as well. Overall, number one quarterback on the week. 28 passes or t- 41 passes, 28 completions, 385 yards. Four touchdowns and one interception. Mm-hmm. Great stat line. Unbelievable. I mean, nobody saw that coming uh, against the Rams, who ha- have shown that, that they have a good defense. They have a good defense. There's and no question about that. I will say he's gotten progressively better each of the weeks. If you look at his stat lines, you look at his fantasy points, each week it has gotten better and better and better. Yep. The competition has gotten better and better and better. It, like he, He's showing it. And I think this is the Bruce Arians thing. I think it's starting to take hold. You saw the whole offense, including Ronald Jones. All of them are starting to come into their own. The only one that struggled on that team was, uh, I wouldn't say struggled because he still caught all of his targets, but that's O.J. Howard, 3 of 3, 33 yards. Yeah, nothing great. So, And I just happened to write this down because I was thinking about it. O.J. Howard right now after that game is tight end number 27. Yeah, it's an- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not good for it, him, it, but everybody else in that offense is doing well. It, it's crazy. It's crazy how tight ends. I mean, I mean, Travis Kelsey hasn't even really had a game this year. So let me. I, I'll flip to that real quick. So the, the top five tight ends for PPR scoring uh, per average per game points. Right, Evan Ingram, eighteen points per game. Austin Hooper, seventeen point seven points per game. Mark Andrews, sixteen point nine points per game. Travis Kelsey, 16.7 points per game. Mark Andrews, though, there might need to be a little asterisk next to it. Uh, for missing a week or yeah. for being hurt, yeah. And then uh, Darren Waller at 16.4. You notice any names that are missing from that top five? Oh, the top three. Yeah. I mean, we have Kelsey in there, but what about Kittle? What about Ertz? Ertz is still top 10, I believe. Yeah, Kittle, I think, 10. is a little bit further down. Kittle, Kittle if I remember, was 15. Yeah. And that was actually somebody I told everybody that I was concerned about before the season started. I'm not trying to say I was right. The jury's still out. But yeah, we got time. they have time to improve. It's the thing. After I did my research on Jimmy Garoppolo, I was concerned. I was like, he liked targeting his wide receivers way more often than his tight ends. And he also liked targeting his running backs. And it, we're starting to see that. Let's keep in mind, though, that San Francisco had a bye last week. So yeah. he probably would have moved up to, like, 12-ish, 10-ish, you know, well, somewhere, I mean, we, we don't know that. Like, yeah. that's that's a possibility. Right. All right. Let's uh, hear your uh, next stud. So, I'm going to go to the running back situation. All right. And this is a guy that I've loved all season long, and everybody knows that this is the guy that I want on my team. And anytime you rush for over 200 yards, you got to get mentioned by people. Okay. And that's Leonard Fournette. Yeah. 29 rush attempts, 225. Also caught two balls for another 20. This... Jacksonville team was opening up huge holes for him. And I think it has to do with Gardner Minshew being back there and being a capable quarterback where they at least have to respect the pass catchers. I will say Denver is pretty bad. They're getting worse. But I, w- I did have uh, Leonard Fournette down as one of my studs. Uh, the one downside I will say is they were getting Raquel Armstead. 
involved. Involved yeah. like they said they wanted to, and he got a touchdown. Listen, any time a person gets 29 carries, that's phenomenal. And when we get yeah. 31 touches, that's amazing for a running back. So I'm not too worried about Rykel Armstead. But in one of our leagues, you put up that you oh, put. I'll trade him if I, if I can. <laughs> But you're going to have to pay me for him because I knew there was a game like this coming. You know, trading you is impossible because Sometimes. you don't ever counter offer. You you want everybody to offer you the farm, and that's kind of how it goes. Like, And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I, I, could n- I, I tried trading you with you one time, and I realized it's never going to happen because it's eh. It's it's hard because I want to get value for the players. And I'm you want to feel anyway. like you're winning the trade every time. Not 100% of the time, but yes. 100% of the time. It depends on what <laughs> league it is, because there's certain leagues where I have to. There's only been one time that I thought you did a trade where you lost it, and it like wound up being kind of a push. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, in trading, I don't just want to give players away. I want to get stuff back that's going to at least mature in value. You know what I mean? I get that, but your mature in value is like, yeah, you can have Leonard Fournette in a super flex league. You better give me Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I, not that far, but I mean, if you I don't mean, ask, pretty close. If you don't ask, you'll never get that done. It, it, I mean, if I ask, I'm never going to get it done. I'm just giving you grief, though. That's fine. All right, so Leonard Fournette was one of mine. I'm going to go ahead and move over to a different quarterback, Marcus Mariota versus Atlanta. 18 to 27, 227 yards, three touchdowns, and three rushes on the ground for 22 yards. Through the season, he's top eight. Uh, also, I will say in each of the weeks, he has rushed for at least 20 yards. And people don't think that's a lot, but rushing for 20 yards each week, that that's adds up. If you have an interception, that mitigates an interception. Right. If you don't, I mean, you games can be decided by two points. And they're getting Taylor Lewan back this yes. week. Yes, and Taylor Lewan is one of the best tackles in yep. the league. Yep. So keep, I think that's, that's uh, great. Yeah, keep your eye on him. All uh, right. Let's What's your uh, last uh, stud of the week? Shit, I only get one more. There were yeah. so many of them. Yeah, well, we we got to limit it. We got to keep the podcast a little bit shorter. All right. I, how about Bradley Chubb, Disley, uh, Austin Hooper, Jordan Howard, and Wayne Gallman? Bradley Chubb's out with a torn ACL. Oh, yeah, Bradley Chubb's out. Th- this was Nick All right, Chubb. Okay, Sorry. I said one more. Just pick one. Ah, uh, shit. All right, Brad, Chubb. I'll take Chubb. Okay. Give me a little Chubb. 20 carries, 165 yards, three touchdowns. He reached the fastest... A mile per hour on his 88-yard touchdown run in the NFL this year. Yep, 21.85 miles per hour. Fast as hell. Yep. I have have one other, and he's on here because he was a stud this week, but he's on here because I am selling this wide receiver. Uh Uh-oh. Kenny Galladay versus Kansas City, 5 of 9, 67 yards, 2 TDs. He is touchdown dependent. Uh, He's had three good games this year. It's good. He's had one bad game. Surprisingly against the Eagles. I thought he was going to go yeah. off. Well, Marvin uh, Jones got that one. That's what happened. But uh, the one thing I'm selling on him is so far through through uh, four weeks, he's catching only 52% of his targets. Oh, that hurts. He is uh, 19 of 36. Oh, that hurts. So, I mean, that's, that's a bad number. Yeah, that's not good. Not good at all. And the yards aren't there. And it's all based off of touchdowns. What? Why he's a top twelve wide receiver? I think he's eleventh on this on the season. He's leading the league in touchdowns. So seven. I mean, he ha- he has a uh, I want to say four touchdowns in four weeks. He had one week without a touchdown, two last week, and two in the previous or one. In I the, thought he had seven. I thought he had seven touchdowns. No, he's not. I don't think he's leading the league in touchdowns. He only has four on the season. Hmm. Okay. If he, if he had seven touchdowns, he would be at the top of the list. There's a reason why Mike Evans is eight. And that's because he had a three touchdown game. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, and Mike Evans has four in the season too. So, but one of the main reasons why I'm selling Kenny Galladay in season long leagues. So weeks 13 through 16, it's a little early to look towards the playoffs, yep. but in some leagues you kind of have a, like you, you know, if you like, okay, if you're four and oh right now and you're looking ahead and all that, if you can look and see that, oh, I can at least go 500 until the playoffs, you're probably going to make the playoffs having a four-game lead above 500. So weeks 13 through 16, most of the time that's your playoff games. Six, uh, Chicago, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Denver. Oh. oh, yeah, those are kind of tough. So every one of those, except for maybe Tampa Bay, it has, a, has a number one corner that can take out the number one wide receiver. Yeah, so these bad matchups through those yeah. leagues. And I'm I'm just I'm kinda out on him and I'm I would like to sell high. Do you own him in any leagues? Actually I don't. I almost made a trade for him last night 
joking around with my buddies. He sent me he sent me a uh, screenshot. I was like, hey, somebody offered me this for Kenny Galladay. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. And he was like, no, what would you do? And I, I was like, well, let me go look at this guy's team. So I looked at that guy's team. I was like, he needs to add in this player and then those same picks. And that's when I would consider it because I'm not going to. He wanted he wanted to get Kenny Galladay for Hunter Renfro in a first, and I was like, "There's no way," or there was two firsts, but it was over over a course of like three years. Mm-hmm. I was like, "There's no way I'm trading for Hunter Renfro and no. a 2020 first and a 2021 first." Yeah, the 2021 20 is too long, yeah. too far. So I was like, "There's no way." I was like, "There's not enough value." So I told him, "I was like," and I was like, "I was like, I'll give you a, a 2020 first, a high first, and all that," and he was like. Oh, take both first. I was like, is that an offer? And we were just joking around. I was like, uh, let me think about it. So then I went ahead and did some research and that's when I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to hold off. I'd rather just have the picks. I do not own Galladay in any leagues. And through 13 leagues, I don't own him in any of them. And I'm, you know, it's one of those things. A lot of people had Kenny Galladay above Chris Godwin, but they were right there in the third and fourth round in the drafts. Yep. Most of But times, for me, yeah. anytime there was Kenny Galladay, Leonard Fournette or Chris Godwin, I was just like, please take Kenny Galladay so I don't have to take him. Please take Kenny Galladay. <laughs> and there was one time that it went, they took Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin, and then someone else took someone else, and Kenny Galladay was available. And I was like, nope, I'm going Tyler Lockett. Like, and I completely just reached a little bit deeper. Yeah, you know, why like, not? Get your guy instead of, you know, settling for somebody that you don't really care about. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, get to some of our duds of the week. Yeah. So right off the bat, last night I'm watching the game. And I'm thinking, all right, cool. Juju's going to play. Juju's mic'd up. It's going to be a Juju week. And what does he do? Lays a dud. Three balls for 15 yards. He did a little bit better than that. Oh, no. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, On the season, he is the 40th wide receiver through PPR points. I don't blame him for that, though. Well, I mean. His talent's there. It's there, but, I mean, he's not doing much with what. I mean, it's not looking deep. Uh Rudolph, Rudolph is looking towards Deontay Johnson more than anybody, and then they throw in Samuel's catching in that, eight balls. In too. that game, yes, he was looking towards Deontay Johnson more. I think I don't have this one written down, but I think Juju only has one touchdown on the season. Uh, I just had it pulled up. Shoot. So Juju has one touchdown on the season. Yeah. So through four games, he only has one touchdown. Now, see, you and I made a. You only wanted to bet five push-ups on this. Yep. You remember it? I do. How many targets was it? I took 169 and less, and you took 170 and more? And more. You still feel good about that bet? No, I think it's horrible. <laughs> well, you also got to remember part of it is Big Ben being out, too, so they have to adjust. I, I get that, but even even with the what they had one game with Big Ben or two, uh, I one think and it was half? one, one, one and, and a half. half. Yeah. So even at that, so eight targets uh, on that first game. And actually, Big Ben didn't target him except for only once against Seattle. The rest was all uh, the other seven Rudolph. was from Rudolph. But I mean, eight targets times sixteen. You're you're the dealer. Do the math. Uh, eighty one twenty one twenty ish one thirty ish. Yeah, it, it, it's it, yeah. I, I he would have had to have a ridiculous target pace for me to. Yeah, well, and, and the next step is we're not going to see Ben for a little while because of the injury, so he's got to deal with Rudolph. And right now, Rudolph's favorite targets are the running backs out of the backfield. Are you uh, are you trading for? Are you buying low on Juju right now? I don't think you could trade him right now. You don't think you can trade him? No. I, I think you can trade him off a of name value. But what, what would and you get? I will, I will almost do a trade uh, in one of our leagues just to prove a point that I have Juju. Like. Well, who would you trade him for? Would you trade him for Larry Fitzgerald? Oh, I, w- I would get more you than that. You would for higher than that? I-, I would get higher than that, and I don't want to tell you what, <laughs> what I would. Because you've probably already worked on it. I- I've already worked on it a little right. bit. He's my contingency, gotcha. maybe, if one of the players isn't, like, you know, because I'd rather have, in Dynasty, I'd rather have Juju than other. In Redraft, I, if I was moving Juju, I'd probably want to get someone. I was thinking Redraft through my thoughts. In, in Redraft, I would, you know, honestly, this sounds gross. Uh, I don't know if I would want to do it, but maybe Cortland Sutton in redraft. I, that's not a it bad name. It sounds gross. But well, God. and I'll tell because I wrote down some players that were around the area. I wrote down six guys between 40 and 50-ish, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Larry Fitzgerald, yep. Christian Kirk, Tyler Boyd, uh, DJ Chark, 
DK Metcalf or Calvin Ridley. Those are all guys right in that same area. I'm sure you might be able to get Calvin Ridley or DJ Chark or Cortland Sutton, all of, all of those for Juju just based off of name value and maybe a little bit more because people are going to – you're going to trade all for over potential. You yeah. know? They're going to see that like, oh, my God, I'm winning this trade. And that's, that's the thing is people are so worried about name value a lot of the times that they forget about what's actually happening. Point value. All right. So I'm gonna get to uh, my dud of the, one of my dud of the weeks. Um, Joe Mixon versus Pittsburgh. 15 for 62, four catches on five targets, one yard. I will say though, it's been a bad stretch of weeks for Joe Mixon. It's not necessarily his fault. That O line is terrible. He's getting blown blow, blown up behind the line. But don't panic. He faces Arizona next week. Yeah, on Monday night, right? On Monday night football. Yeah. Arizona, he's he's if he doesn't feast, then you might panic. Okay, but it's Arizona. He's gonna. What an ugly matchup, though, for Monday night. Yeah. Have you noticed, all but in my opinion, all but one Thursday night football, like between Sunday night football and Thursday night, all the matchups have been terrible. Well, the Green Bay Eagles was pretty good, right? That's the, that's the one, one matchup I was talking about. That, that was a, that was a even, good game. Even the Dallas-New Orleans game wasn't bad. I mean, I sat through it that and watched a, that it. That was Sunday night, though. Yeah, it was Sunday. Yeah. And even at that, like, I mean, it was, it was a slow, boring game. Yeah, Pittsburgh Cincinnati wasn't a very good game. I mean, they held uh they held Zeke to two yards per carry. Ugh. Sheldon yeah. rankings is good, man. Yeah. All right. Interior. Yep. All right. Get let's uh, start to speed this up a little bit. Right. Get to Deshaun your... Watson at quarterback. Yeah, that was a that was a dud. Though, and this was a tie for me because I already mentioned the other guy was Tom Brady, but uh, Deshaun Watson, thir- uh, twenty one to thirty three for one hundred sixty yards. He saved his day with a rushing touchdown, but he only had twelve yards rushing. Yeah. N- nothing uh, great. Nothing great at all. However, I loved his uh, little his, interview uh, yeah, post game. Interview was amazing. Like the guy was like asking questions, like, and he was like, "Well, do you even know what you're talking about? Like, don't don't sit there and ask these questions." And then he like broke it down. And then Joe Thomas's response to it was just gold. Like Joe Thomas is like, the guy asked this question. It was like Deshaun kind of like looked like he wanted to ask him this question. He's like. He's like, and Deshaun only vaguely described how intricate it actually is. He's like, yeah. people don't. He's like, people don't realize. He's like, it doesn't matter how fast, strong you are, and all that. He's like, some of the fastest and most talented players don't ever make it in the NFL because they don't understand these concepts that Deshaun just broke it down into like basic terms. Yeah, he he only explained about twenty five percent of what was going on in that play or, on or the one season. Play. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was amazing. All right, so. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I'm going to say Keenan Allen as well. Don't panic on him. I know he's wide receiver one through the season, but mm-hmm. 5 of 6 for 48 against Miami. That sounds bad, but again, they didn't need him. It, I mean, the game script wasn't there for him. They didn't, you're not going to risk one of your top wide receivers. You're not going to put him in uh, situations that you, I mean, where you need to, where you don't need to utilize him and utilize him and risk injury. Yeah. He may have been out there, but he wasn't running routes. They were running the ball most of the game. Don't panic on him. It was an Austin Eckler game. Yeah. Uh, how about Calvin Ridley? Yeah, he was dead. He was one of the people I was thinking about. Yeah, he was definitely dead on my side. Three catches for 32 yards. I believe it's two weeks in a row. But he only had one target in week three. And how many targets did he have this week? This one, four. Four. So, I mean, he's had five targets in two weeks where previously, I mean, he had like five targets in just one game. I will say that Matt Ryan is throwing the ball at an unbelievable rate. Yeah, it's crazy. He's at 174 more than anybody else so far this season. 174 more attempts, I yeah. should say. So. All right, so I almost my last dud. I almost lost a game because of his interception at the end of the game. <laughs> all right, and actually, so there was a there was a recalculation and all that that happened. Uh, so where he got the interception added to it because for some reason it wasn't showing it, but there was another recalculation on it where because I would have lost because of the interception, but there's another recalculation to where it wound up I won won by point four three points. Oh my god! Like I mean. I mean, we're talking like... Tell us who the player is. Okay, it was Dak Prescott, guys. I knew it. All right, so through the first three weeks, he was top five, right? Top five quarterback easily through the first three weeks. Mm -hmm. 22 uh, against the Saints last night. He was 22 of 33, 223 yards in an interception, zero touchdowns. Rushed for, I think, like seven yards. Nothing nothing relevant. Mm. Uh, The reason why he is such a big dud, and this is what I was worried about, and this is what I told you why I would like sell high on Dak, that... I mean, because of the first three weeks, the reason why I was picking up the Dallas defense, the reason why I was like those first three weeks were gold. Yeah, easy, easy parts. Right. And this is like this is why I didn't sell Dak in this league because I was like, oh, New Orleans is the worst versus quarterbacks through the first three weeks. They, I mean, they faced Deshaun Watson. They faced, I mean, 
Russell Wilson. They faced some good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the first three weeks, they were the worst against co- opposing quarterbacks, allowing 30 fantasy points per game to each of them. It was actually 30.93, so almost 31 points per game, the worst in the league. But Dak can't, I mean, can't do anything? Like, what? what's going on? Like, like I, I don't know what happened. One, as, as I'm kind of alluding to, Dak was a product of those first three games. Of those, fir- he should have signed that contract after week three. You yeah, know? he should have. He should whatever it was. If it was thirty and a, thirty-five and a half, or you know, I don't care if you didn't get your forty million, man. Like, you this is still going to be his team. There's no question about that. I, I think that one of the things that we saw in this game is not having Michael Gallup and trying to replace with Devin Smith. They didn't have Michael Gallup since week one. I, well. Two, I thought he got hurt week one. No, he got hurt in week two. He's going to be out two to f- two to four. But not having a player like Michael Gallup who is ascending and you know being able to get plays moving quicker and more downfield than Devin Smith or Randall Cobb, and then doing some play action with Zeke, it makes so, a huge difference. Okay, so this is something else because I actually was in a little uh, Facebook group little debate. I love and, these debates. Oh my man. Sometimes I, I sit there and I start typing out something or like getting ready. And I was like, you know, I don't have enough time for this. And I'm going to sit here. I'm going to like school them. And then I, they're going to sit there and be like, but what about this? And they're yeah. like, what what about this? So in this situation, I I was like, eh, I kind of debated it. Is it, it. worth my time? And, but I, I, I know up, I'm right. I want like, I, there's times I, I, will, I will admit when I'm wrong. And I have no problem doing that. But the issue was is. So I responded to the guy, and he's sitting there. He's like, but Dak didn't have Gallup. But Zeke only ran for two yards per carry. Blah, 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 blah. This center got hurt. So I was like, okay, so you, I was like, you just made my argument so much easier. So Dak is only successful when everything goes right. You also have I mean, to remember who he played against, too. Those early games were cakes. I, I know, but that's what I'm saying. He's only successful when things go right. Hmm. I was like, Carson Wentz had to deal with three fumbles and still won the game against uh, Dak is definitely one of those quarterbacks that needs to have Zeke involved in the game. You take away Zeke, Dak struggles. It's it's no, almost and, a script. And, and that, that's what I said before the season yeah. even started. That's why you need to pay Zeke. Zeke is more important to that team than Dak. More important to that team than Amari. Yes, those are good benefits to have on the team. But Zeke is the reason why teams have to sit there and make sure he only gets two yards per carry. Because... The Saints clearly said, "Okay, we can't beat Zeke, so or like we can't like we can't beat Dak and Zeke. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the ball in Dak's hands and make him win the game." Yeah, and that's and, what, and that's, that's what happened. And I'm fine with that. And that's that's one of those things. So speaking of quarterbacks, the top five PPR quarterbacks right now, I think it was six points per touchdown. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, number one, yep. twenty-eight point one points per game. Mahomes, twenty-six point two. Russell Wilson, 24.2. Dak Prescott at 23.6. Carson Wentz at 21.5. Points uh, that per game. Points per game? Through uh-huh. week four. So that included the struggle week. Okay. So something interesting there. Dak is number four overall. I like it. All right, guys. Let's get to some of the waiver wires and wrap this uh, show up. Yeah. All right. Uh, Just I- remember, though, that Detroit Lions and Miami Dolphins are on the bye this week, so you're not starting Galladay, Stafford, Marvin Jones, Carrion Johnson. Dolphins, if you're starting Dolphins, you're in trouble. You know, I almost had to start a Dolphin, I but did. he was on bye. Uh, Mike Gusecki. <laughs> I, did, I started uh, my guy, Williams, Preston Williams. Oh, yeah. I had to. My Man. team my team with the injuries, I had nobody left, and Preston Williams was in. All right, I'm going to kick say, us off. Let's I'm going to go. kick us off. You got to get Jimmy Graham, uh, 37% owned. If Devontae Adams is missing time, any time at all, uh, Graham will be the red zone target. Okay. Like, you just got to pick him up. All right. So, my counter to that would be Geronimo Allison. People okay. dropped him because, whatever reason, they needed somebody else. Devontae Adams is injured, not going to play this week. Geronimo Allison could step in and take over some of that role. All right. Uh, next up, I'm going to say Jordan Howard. He's. Uh, Owned in 56% of the leagues. So, I mean, you got roughly, I mean, 44%. Uh, he was he was on the field for uh, 53% of the snap count. That's up 21% from the previous season high for him. Uh, he he looked great. He did. He looked really I good. I mean, he had, he was uh, running back three on the week. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Three uh, touchdowns, right? Yeah, 115 yards on 15 touches. Yeah. I mean, total, total yards, yards. Yep. Yeah, He looked good. 
Uh, I'll go with Rojo again. Yep, Ronald Jones. I agree. With, he's forty five percent owned. Uh, he's starting to take four, over. Three out of the four weeks, he's been the guy. Yeah, he's starting to take over. Almost double the snap count of uh, Peyton Barber. He had two great runs that were uh, taken, taken back, back off of penalties. One was an illegal shift, and one was a hold. The illegal shift was on the other side of the field by uh, Chris Godwin. So that was one of those things. I was like, man, that kind of sucks for him, you know. I will say at this point, he's not a top twenty four running back. But he's definitely flex worthy. Oh, he's got a tough schedule coming up, so that's something else you got to watch out for. Yeah, they won't be back home until November tenth. Damn. Yeah. All right. Last up, I'm gonna say AJ Brown, ten percent owned. He looks great. Uh, Tennessee is starting to figure out their identity for once. I mean, it took three years, but they're starting to figure out that identity of the team. Yeah. Uh, Golden Tate for me. Yep. Another guy one. that we mentioned coming back off of uh, suspension. Going to add a little bit to that offense, and Daniel Jones seems like he likes throwing the rock around, so that's All a right. good thing. You got one more. God damn, I have so many. I know, but the thing is, is got to entice them, man. So, got to make them message us and ask questions. I'll take Noah Fan at tight end. I like it. I like it. Starting to become more and more involved in that offense. Joe Flacco sees that he has a playmaker and a young playmaker at that, so Noah Fan, pick him up. I Who haven't. I haven't won league. No, that uh, we've named all Wait, the ones that do, I wrote down. What we got to do streamers at defense real quick. All right, do give me, give me a streamer for this week. I got. I, I absolutely love the Titans this week going against the Bills. That would be my pickup streamer. As long as Josh Allen's out, even if Josh Allen's out, he's going to throw two or three interceptions against this defense. Oh, I don't know about I'm that. I'm telling you, this, this Titans defense is very underrated. People go up against it. Even and, Gardner Minshew didn't throw an interception to him. No, but they got five sacks, and they should have had ten. <laughs> uh, they have yet to give up 20 points in a game. So that's another another right. plus for Tennessee. Uh, Carolina-Jacksonville. Carolina's in tied with uh, the sack lead right now going into Jacksonville. And then my final one would be the Chargers versus Denver. Okay. Those are the streamers for defense this week. So my question to you, we've got three teams that are 4-0. Patriots, Kansas City, San Francisco. Do they all finish the week? One of them is not 4 0. One's 3 0. 3 0, yeah. So, did they finish the week undefeated? Uh, week I haven't looked at the matchups this week. You have who they're facing? Oh, I forgot. Oh. I wrote it down somewhere. You dropped Hold the on. ball. You're going to make me look this up. Uh, I don't have dude. it written down. I don't want to see it. Man. All right, so it looks like Kansas City. Well, Patriots are facing Washington. They're going to stay undefeated. Kansas City is facing the Colts on Sunday Night Football. Yep. I'm, hmm, I, I'm gonna have to do some research on that one. Uh, there's, there's a thing about uh, Patrick Mahomes. I, I'm still trying to see if it's a an actual thing or not about primetime games. So I'll do some more research and get back to okay. you on that. Well, how about the last, last year? He only won one primetime oh, game. Oh wow. Against Bengals. How about the worst Ofer team? Teams that have not won a game: Arizona, Washington, Miami, Denver, Cincinnati. Denver might be able to uh, upset uh, uh, the Chargers. Chargers, and that sounds crazy. Uh, man, it's in it's in LA. I don't know. Uh, it's that one's gonna be tough. I don't see really any of them having any uh, any wins. I don't see Washington or yeah. What is your favorite scary movie? We got Halloween coming up, so we got to come up with something with Halloween. Well, Halloween's my, you know, actually, I don't know what my favorite scary movie is, uh, but I will say this: my wife. All right, this is this is kind of messed up. I'm I'm a weird person, guys. So the only holiday I decorate for, the only holiday we decorate for, and it's because of me. It's the only time we've ever bought decorations. It's for Halloween, and I I decorate. and it's not a whole lot. We have this little section above our fireplace where my mom's ashes are, by the way, okay? Uh, and this is where it gets a little dark. So I always sit there. I was like, oh, we got to decorate it up there. My mom's dead. And my wife's like, what is wrong with you? So then she, like, I know she she had to do this on purpose. She knew what I was going to say. We were, we were out uh, shopping at Target the other night. And there was this little section of, like, Halloween things. And we stop over there, and we're kind of, like, perusing and all that. I'm trying to see if there's anything that jumps out at me that I just want to get, you know. Good price, whatever it may be. Something that I like that's kind of, like, because I don't like the, like, happy Halloween stuff. I kind of like 
not necessarily the dark and gruesome, but kind of like that eerie feeling. Tim Burton. Yeah, kind of, kind of like Tim Burton. Uh, but it was this little like uh, scenery thing, like what you would see, like with the my little what is, what's it, precious moments, little things. Yeah, yeah. But it was of a cemetery and all that. And I was like, oh, we could get this to put up above the fireplace. I was like, why? Because my mom's dead. Because it said cemetery on it. <laughs> oh my and she's god. like, what is wrong with you? Why can't you just be normal? Like <laughs> oh she just. Oh my god. Oh, it was it was funny. I I thought I was hilarious. And again, I'm I'm a dark person. And I think if you knew who my mom was. She would have wanted me to make those jokes too. You okay. Know? I mean, but I mean, favorite scary movie. You know, favorite Halloween movie. Okay, that'll work too. You know, th- don't say gonna, the Great Pumpkin. This is gonna sound really childish. That that's a good episode, by the way. This is gonna sound really childish. But I, I as a kid, I really liked Halloween Town. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's really underrated. I don't like. I mean, if going back and watching it, it kind of ruined it for me. You know, like those childhood memories you yeah, have. Yeah. Like and this, you, this like, movie is great, and then you watch it as an adult. You're like, "What the hell oh, is wrong with this me?" This is horrible. What, like, what was I thinking? Yeah, like all real monsters. Don't go back and rewatch that. That was terrible. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. What's mine. your favorite? Oh, man, I tell you, when I was a kid, the movie that traumatized me the most was Aliens, and it's not like a Halloween one. But I, when I saw it, I was so freaked out and scared. And then I will say that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original one. Okay. Is probably my favorite and scared me the most. Like I'll never forget the song. I I have one that's probably one of my favorites, and I really can't think of the title, but it's kind of like a, they're doing this documentary from the serial killer's perspective and how he selects his first victims and all that. And it's kind of like corny and funny and all that. Like I mean, it's not a comedy, but it's one of those things that they think they're actually oh like oh this is how you select oh she's a virgin type thing. <laughs> Going through all these like cliches of like. A, Horror movies, Halloween movies, you know, like the Scream. Mike Myers, Scream, yeah. I mean, Freddy Krueger, all those types of things. And it goes to uh, the, it turns out that the film crew is actually his his targets, his victims. Oh, wow. But it, it was a really good twist. It was a good movie. I have to think of the title, man. Like, I haven't seen it in, I want to say like five, six years, but it's one of those ones that I do enjoy. This might be, it was one of those ones that whoever directed it and came up with that thought, like that thought process or that the twist, that twist yeah. was a truly original little twist. Yeah, and I, I liked it. That's a good one. I wonder what the name is. Find out what the name is. Just yeah. put it up on the website or something. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, rate, review, and subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, uh, Google Play, iTunes, uh, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah. Whole, whole Instagram, YouTube. Uh, Facebook, our website, a16podcasting.com. Uh, you guys got any questions, feel free to ask us. I'm at Thomas Carlack on Twitter. He's at M-C-C-O-Y-C-E. McCoy-C-E. Yeah, on Twitter. Uh, we also have 816 Podcastings on Twitter also. Yep. Uh, don't hesitate to ask questions in the Facebook group or anything like that if you have any coming up. Uh, or just message me, message Tom, if you have our numbers, whatever. We'll put it on the podcast, put you on the podcast, and... Uh, You know, give you a shout out. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye now.